Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellner, founder of Faces of TBI, and your host. Today, I will be talking all about vestibular therapy after TBI with Dr. Eric Spencer. If you're enjoying this podcast series, please consider supporting it through buymeacoffee.com slash Z. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get a free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer. I also invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Eric Spencer, and he graduated from the University of Miami in Coral Gables, Florida, with his doctorate and physical therapy degree in 2013. He specializes in rehabilitation for vestibular dysfunction and patients experiencing dizziness and vertigo, as well as patients suffering from concussion and post-concussion syndrome. He is also heavily involved with mentoring and training the future generation of physical therapists, as he has established clinical affiliations with doctoral programs across the United States. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. I am so happy to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, thrilled to have you here. And, um, you know, I like to start just by always asking our guests, you know, how did you come to working with TBI patients? Like, what led you here? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, The the short answer is I became one. (laughs) So not something to laugh at, but experience is the best teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, We always hear that said. So professionally, uh, as you said, I've been doing physical therapy uh, for about 10 years. And uh, in the initial stages, I was heavy into the sports medicine side, orthopedics. I'm a board-certified orthopedic specialist. It's always been my my go-to um, and then in 2019, about four years ago, I sustained uh, a pretty bad concussion. You know, we, we kind of qualify them, right? Like pretty bad. What is pretty bad? <laughs> I was playing basketball and got hit in the head. And, you know, at that time, playing college sports, you just kind of learn to play through injuries. And even yeah. though I had my doctor hat, I wasn't wearing that at the time. I was playing basketball. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah. The symptoms, as many of you listening may know, they just start to they start to spiral because you're not that you know eighty percent or so seventy percent or so that get better in the first three months and so 
uh, my symptoms started to get worse, actually. And so, uh, you know, walking that out in those first six months was very scary. And uh, after I got past that, it led me to take into my own practice this um, experience and start to professionally develop it into how do I help these populations of people improve? Because I know that they can and I know that I have improved. And then um, that's where it kind of took off from there. Yeah. And, you know, talking about, you know, you didn't have your doctor hat on. But I also believe, like, the concussed person is not the best judge of anything, <laughs> right? And and Very I true. always, you know, like, coaches will be like, are you okay? Can you go back in? Like, don't ask person because, of course, they think they're fine, right? Like, somebody it's needs so to make true. a judgment call here. <laughs> It's so true. That's why, you know, I'm not an athletic trainer, but qualified, trained athletic trainers on sidelines are so important because now, Mm -hmm. you know, the awareness is is definitely uh, raised even from five, ten years ago. Um, And there's so much pre-baseline testing before seasons start so that people, to your point exactly, are not trusted with making those decisions when really we know the, the impetus is just to get back out there and play when that may not be the best thing for them at that time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also really think some of the best doctors I know working in this field have had a brain injury themselves. And so I think that lived experience, because you really cannot understand some of this unless you've lived it you know you can understand all the science and the textbook stuff but you can't understand what it actually feels like um so i really do think some of the best clinicians i've met are those who've had some extent of a concussion themselves so yeah yeah i agree with you it's been it's been very you know um eye-opening for patients when they sit across from me and they're battling post-concussion symptoms and I start to rattle off the list, you know, do you feel tired? Do you feel irritable? Mm -hmm. Is your sleep disrupted? Do you feel like you're not yourself? You just feel off. You start going through that whole list and they're like, yes, like all the things you're saying, yes. You know, you really gain that rapport and and that empathy you can express now that you've walked it out and are still walking Mm -hmm. it out, you know. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what is vestibular therapy? What does that mean um, for someone listening who's maybe never heard that term? Yeah, no, that's a good place to start. So uh, I will tell you this, many doctors even aren't sure what we as physical therapists <laughs> do when it comes to vestibular therapy. So I can't tell you how many people have ended up here and they say this statement at the end, I didn't even know you guys treat this. It's mm-hmm. so many times that we hear that. So vestibular therapy is a subset, subspecialty of physical therapy. So not, you know, maybe your local physical therapist isn't trained in these techniques, and that, that would not be a, a place where you would go and seek vestibular therapy. So it's always good to call before just for those who are seeking vestibular therapy locally. But vestibular therapy is basically taking the – um, vestibular system, which is comprised of so many different nerves and organs and, and vessels, and um, basically rehabilitating the dysfunction that a patient is having that's leading to a sensation of dizziness, okay? So dizziness is like pain. Your pain, when you say pain, it can mean a many different things, right? Right. 
So when a, when a patient says dizziness, they could mean, you know, what we call as vestibular therapist, quote, unquote, true vertigo, where the room is actually spinning, like it's turning upside down and rotating. And that is scary, very scary. And, uh, and that is actually, surprisingly, the easier treatment. But that's one of the presentations of dizziness, and we call that true vertigo. There's also that sense of, like, disequilibrium, where I feel like I'm floating or either I'm moving, the world isn't really moving, but I seem to be moving. You know, that's the patient's perspective. Um, so that's mm-hmm. also dizziness, right? And then there's other symptoms. I feel lightheaded, you know. Well, that could be your blood pressure. It could be medications. It could be a number of things. So what we really try to do as vestibular therapists is pinpoint what's the source, what's the the functionality that's not performing that's causing this symptom of dizziness. And when we trace it back to an origin that's within the vestibular system, then we can treat that. So um, that's kind of an overview. And then if you want, we can kind of go into the vestibular system, kind of breaking that down a little bit. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So um, let's start with the way I like to describe it to people who are unfamiliar with it completely is think of, you know, a torso walking around on two legs, right? So the two legs are giving information up to the body, you know. And so the ears, both ears, your right and left ear, house some structures and organs that are your peripheral vestibular system. This peripheral vestibular system is apart from the central vestibular system. So you have your central, think of that as your as the torso or like the headquarters, and then your peripheral. And the peripheral is the inner ear. So when we break it up into that, we can start to kind of delineate, well, where's the issue coming from? So one of the big things that we like to first identify is when did these symptoms start? If we had head trauma, like head injury patients, well, that's that's an easy place to start because you will definitely have issues with your central vestibular system, which is your brain and the vestibular nerves. But you may also have an issue with your periphery, which is your inner ear and those little crystals that many of us may have heard about that sound like hocus pocus. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we have to we have to check both of those systems, and we do that through a different you know different techniques and different exam methods. Um, and so really what, what we try to do first is get to the source, get, get a thorough history, um, figure out what part of their vestibular system might be at fault, and then begin the testing there. Is it peripheral? Is it those two legs feeding information up to the body? Or is it that central part? Did they take a hit to the head or did they, you know, have a bad accident or something like that that is leading to an issue at the headquarters, which is, you know, a, a, a lot of times a bigger issue. So that's how we like to break it down. Yeah, and, you know, for me, one of my biggest complaints was dizziness. Um, and I just remember my neurologist um, just kind of blew it off. And I remember telling her, I think there's something wrong with my eyes. So let me back up. Mm-hmm. I've already been to my eye doctor. And I've been to the neuro-ophthalmologist and done all the testing. My eyes were fine, like, clinically. And 
the the neurologist, I told her, you know, I feel like I feel like my eyes mm-hmm. are not working properly. And she's like, well, I I've never heard of that. Like, I don't think that's you know, <laughs> I don't think that's causing your problem. And all she cared about was she wanted to give me Botox in my neck for my neck pain, which that's a whole mm-hmm. other story. Um, but I was just like so discouraged because I'm like, there is something like not right. And yep. it took me, you know, another year and a half to finally find, you know, functional neurology, um, which the first thing he said to me was, oh, yeah, it's your eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, and that was so validating. I'm like, seriously? Yes. Um, and he's like, yeah. He's like, nine out of ten times it's the eyes or, you know. And so talk a little bit about some of the testing you do to kind of parse out, you know, is it the eyes? Like, where is the dizziness mm-hmm. coming from? Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you led into that because with that, you're going to be talking about central vestibular issues. So let's go, let's keep it um, to, to head injuries and concussions, you know, mild traumatic brain injuries. That's what they are. They're brain injuries. We, we have to mm-hmm. name them appropriately. So yep. when the brain is injured or damaged and inflamed, that, that, central headquarters, that torso walking around on two legs, it's going to have a huge issue because it's no longer shuttling glucose. It's fuel for performing all of those multifunctions that we have to do in our daily lives. It's not going to perform those efficiently because that blood is no longer shuttled around in the brain efficiently. So that creates areas, neurons that are hypoxic and not getting enough oxygen. And so they're not going to function properly. Well, if you talk to neurooptometrists, almost every part of the brain has tie-in to the eye function. Yes, in the back, understand that as, as providers, when I say we all, like as medical providers, we know that's where a lot of the um, structure and function is housed for eyes and eye movements, but there's tie-in to our whole um, cerebrum. And so when the brain is injured, your eye movements are one of the first indicators to us as providers that there's an issue. So what we'll do with testing for that is something called smooth pursuits. And so this is part of vestibular therapy that we're getting into now. So with smooth pursuits, I'll hold a pin or or like the popsicle stick in front of the, the patient, and I'll move it side to side in a horizontal plane and just ask them to track it with their eyes. Many times, that alone will trigger symptoms in a patient. Now, if it does, I'm already starting to see one of the primary domains that we have to work on as vestibular therapists. So we will check that and make notes, you know, patient-demonstrated abnormal smooth pursuits. We'll also do up and down in different planes, verticals, diagonals, and a lot of times we'll see in different planes they'll have different impairments. So one of the consistencies I see is a lot of times after concussion, Smooth pursuits in the vertical plane, up and down, will be very difficult for patients. Another eye movement um, movement uh, that we see as dysfunctional is, and you probably have heard of some of your guests, especially Dr. Zelensky, talk about this, is convergence. Mm-hmm. So convergence, we hold a, a pinpoint or something that they focus on away from their face and slowly move it in towards their nose until it's becoming two. When the patient sees double, we measure that from the tip of the nose to that instrument, 
and if it's not six centimeters or less, we consider that abnormal. So we start to do these different eye movements and measurements uh, and take measurements to see if you're, you know, within normal limits or are you starting to show some signs consistent with, you know, vestibular dysfunction, in this case of central origin. And there's, there's many other things that we test um, with vestibulo-ocular reflexes. Um, just a little side tangent about that. There are reflexes um, that are part of your brain, brain stem, and cranial nerves that actually tie in your vestibular system to your ocular system. So imagine how intertwined they are that there's a reflex that when I turn my head to the right, my eyes can stay looking ahead to the left without thinking about it, right? So mm-hmm. those two systems, your, your vestibular system and your ocular, your vision, vision system, are so interconnected that if you have a head injury, I would be more surprised if you didn't have some dysfunction with your eye movements. And you just had a great kinesthetic awareness for yourself, Amy, to say something's wrong with my eye. You know, and unfortunately many providers will just look at the structure. Your, your structures were okay, they were intact, but the function wasn't there. It's the same reason an MRI can be clear and unremarkable, but something's going on under the surface. Well, and you know, it, it, for me, I was a photographer. <laughs> and so I was super in tune with my eyes. And so all of a sudden my eyes, there was something going on. And so mm-hmm. I knew something wasn't right. Where maybe not everybody would be quite that in tune Right? But mm-hmm. it was like, no, this is my eyes. There's something wrong with my eyes. And it mm-hmm. literally felt like my eyes weren't moving together, which they yeah. weren't. <laughs> but, like, it yeah. literally felt like that. And I know other people have said it literally feels like their eyes are shaking. And those folks typically have, like, an astigmatism, right? Their eyes yeah, literally are shaking. <laughs> so, like, we're not crazy. Our doctors just don't know these things. You're right, yeah. And let me give you a very practical example of something you'll see in the TBI population. Just maintaining eye contact is difficult because your eyes, we call it gaze fixation, your eyes have trouble, both of them, finding a target and holding it. You know, Dr. Zelensky looks at this with the um, right eye test. They have you look at a point and the right eye measures how much, you know, accessory movement is happening with your eyes. Oh, man, this is bad. No pun intended, but eye-opening to see how much extra movement you'll have with your eyes when you have something <laughs> like a computer measuring it. And so what you'll see practically is those patients don't make eye contact well or they look away a lot or when they're telling a story, they look all over the place because it's easier to have your eyes moving than to fixate on one Target. That was that was something that was very difficult for me because professionally, bedside manner, we look at our patients and make strong eye contact, and it was hard to do that after my head injury and getting back. And so, um, you know, depending where you want to go, we can talk about like how did that, how did I get that back, or how can patients improve that. But that was something um, just making eye contact and gaze fixation very hard, and so that relates to the eye movement. Mhm. Yeah, so let's talk about therapies, right? So we've talked about assessment, but now let's talk a little bit about what are some of the things you can do with the patient to give them, to help get rid of the dizziness, hopefully, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to just uh, hit this softball out of the park real quick so we can kind of speak to the peripheral vestibular issue. If, for example, you have that what we call true vertigo where the room is spinning, usually you'll feel that turning over in bed or turning onto your side or you'll wake up with it. The easiest fix is the, the testing for that is called Dick's Hall Pipe Testing, and the treatment is the Epley Maneuver. So you, some of your listeners may have heard of that, and mm-hmm. that is specifically for peripheral issues, meaning the inner ear, not for the head-injured patient. However, a head-injured patient can also have issues with their inner ear. I've seen this numerous times, car accidents, right. auto versus yeah, so it's not that it's So one you're or saying the other. like they could have true. two things going. Could they have oh, yeah. two things going on at once? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You can have a peripheral issue causing room spinning and you can have a central issue where your eyes aren't tracking well. And so the first treatment would just be to calm down the inner ear component because when you do that, then your ears, those legs of that torso will be sending the proper information to the brain. If those crystals in that canal aren't corrected, it's not going to send proper information to the brain. Mm -hmm. It's like having a compass that doesn't quite point to true north. So then what happens is your body will adapt around a dysfunctional system due to bad inputs. Does that make sense? Yep. So the first first order of business is to see if there's a peripheral issue. We test that with Dick's Hall Pipe Maneuver, and we treat it with Epley. Good news is, here's some numbers for you, 90% of people with peripheral vestibular issues will get better in three to five Epley treatments, and we usually do those once a week over those three to five weeks. 90% resolve. 90% of them are in what's called the posterior canal. There's three canals in our inner ear. Um, the other anterior and horizontal canals, it's a little bit more tricky, but if you're trained in it, you can do it. So at home, I would say do not try this on your own. <laughs> Make sure you have someone who can, you know, is trained in this because you can also mess yourself up. I hear many right. patients who mm-hmm. try this at home. So so that's the that's the first order of business. Make sure the periphery is good. That's your inner ear crystals, and uh, and we can fix that with great success. The the bigger, harder issue to tackle is the headquarters. You know, let's say the two legs are giving the body good information. Now you feel balanced from your legs, but your body's having a hard time integrating and computing and processing all that information. This is why it's hard to go in a busy environment or bright lights or lots of noise because your brain is having to process and integrate and filter all of this. So some of the things that we do is we first break, we, we educate. So we break the old thinking of cocooning patients where you put them in a dark room and you just lay right. there until your symptoms resolve. So education is, is, you know, not painful. It's eye-opening for them. They can get good information about, hey, you know, first 48 hours, take it easy, don't stress, don't do much. But right after that, we want to start getting you moving and even doing some low-threshold aerobic training to get the brain some some oxygen. So uh, some of the things that we do in addition to education is we start to teach them those eye movements. So we give different things like Brock string if it's appropriate. And uh, Brock string is something where basically there's a string 
that the patient is holding from the end of their nose or a practitioner will be holding it for them during the, you know, clinical exam and treatment, and they're moving their eyes up and down this string with different visual targets or beads are on this string. And so that specific exercise helps with gaze fixation. How do I keep eye contact? How do I move my eyes along, you know, without letting them, you know, feel like they're moving all over the place, like you said, Amy. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the other things that we do, uh, we do what's called um, dynamic gait activities. So a lot of these patients will report, oh, I walk into walls or I walk into like the corner of my door and don't even realize I bumped it, you know. (laughs) And and that's part of your vestibular dysfunction. So we'll have them Mm -hmm. do walking with different, different head turns or I have patients walk through the clinic and I'll have different charts up on the walls and they have to look at the chart and read something on it while they're walking. And this helps to simulate them going, you know, to the grocery store and walking and looking up and down on the aisles. We all know that's a big trigger. If, you, if you're if you a brain-injured patient or person, you know how triggering that can be, you know. So uh, what, we, what we effectively are doing here in all of these things is teaching your body adaptive training or threshold training. I, I like to tell my patients, like, hey, we want to raise this bar, this threshold, to where you can tolerate, you know, X, Y, Z stimuli before you become symptomatically dizzy. Now, we don't want to go off the cliff. We don't want to fall off and plummet and boom, migraine and all of the cascade of symptoms, but we want to train right up to that threshold, and then after that we'll recover, do some ice, some box breathing, meditation, parasympathetic nervous system breathing, basically exposure and then recovery techniques so that we can effectively over time raise that threshold. And, you know, so going back to talking about BPPV, um, Mm -hmm. that was the one thing my neurologist did was she sent me to the Dizzy and Balance Center. And they checked, I assume they were checking for BPPV. They put the goggles on me, had me lay on my back, that kind of thing. And they were like, well, Mm -hmm. you can't really tell if your eyes are moving or not. We think it's just BPV. And they did that Epley maneuver on me numerous times. Like when they did the Epley maneuver, it did not make me dizzy, which Mm -hmm. it would definitely trigger you if, if that's your problem. Right. Um, Oh yeah. And, and, I, you know, I had no relief from it. Like, it did nothing for me. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I don't think this is what's going on. Um, and so, you know, it's frustrating, right? You get shuffled from doctor mm-hmm. to doctor. They tell you they think it's this, and then it's not, and they don't help with it. And and then they're like, well, you know, I guess we just don't know what's going on. Um, and I did have, like, some um, – they did some massage on my neck thinking, you know, might help and that didn't help. And um, it felt good, but it didn't help, Um, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's so frustrating (laughs) as the patient, right? Like you just start to feel so isolated and alone and defeated. No one's helping you. Gosh, am I going to be like this forever? That that's what I was thinking, right? Like, do I have Mm -hmm. to deal with this dizziness for the rest of my life? Because um, honestly, yeah. the dizziness was really debilitating. Um, it is. It was exhausting. And on really bad days, I mean, I just couldn't really do much of anything. 
Um, so how does someone find a clinician such as you um, that can help them? Yeah, that's the, the golden question because what I was – you actually led into what I was going to say next, which is you have to get into these communities of people who have gone through it or are go- going through it because they will connect you to that community of providers that is versed in this realm. If you try to stay in the, and I've practiced, you know, in the Western medicine field, you know, I I fully endorse and believe in it, but if you don't fit the mold and fit the box, the treatments won't work because it's not tailored Mm -hmm. and specific to what you need. So you are getting treatment for a peripheral vestibular issue when you had none, and that's what they were looking for with the goggles, and despite not finding any nystagmus, they still treated it and you didn't have improvement. And then that further leads you to feel worse about your condition because no one can understand what I'm going through starts to play in that in your mental space. So you have yeah. to get into a community and you have done, I mean, thank you to you. You've done a great job getting great providers on here. I, I told you before we started the call that, you know, I've been following you with concussion discussions through, I think you've had three seasons now. Um, mm-hmm. And doc, yeah, and they've all been great providers with such a, a breadth of information, but also a depth for each one. And, and um, you know, I, my purpose here was just to introduce that vestibular therapy is a subspecialty of physical therapy that patients may have lingering dizziness issues and every other provider is kind of like hands up in the air, I don't know what to do anymore and there's still options that you can do you know because what what we really do as physical therapists is we promote function function through movement and exercise so we take an understanding and apply that into movement and exercise to raise the threshold so that your dizzy symptoms are less and less even with more and more activities and stimuli Um, i would to answer the question i think you just have to start with your you start with your doctor because some doctors do have good vestibular therapists, mm-hmm. but then you can also do a search for, you know, physical therapy clinics in your area, and you just call them and say, do you have any clinicians who are trained vestibular therapists? Because if you're not, you don't, you'll just get the same effect going to a regular physical therapy session when you need vestibular therapy. So start with your doctor, then you can, um, you know, just search your areas around you And also, if, you know, they are struggling with that, you can reach out to me, and I'd be happy to connect someone as well. And I believe in the show notes I have a clickable link. Um, uh, It looks like, is it Little Elm? Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the the location location that I work out of in Dallas. Yep. Yeah, so we do have a clickable link in there um, so folks can um, click through that to find you. Um, and yeah, so thank you so much for being here today, Eric. This has been a great conversation. So important. I think so many people deal with dizziness after brain injury. I mean, I I feel like almost everybody I meet has had at least some level of it. Um, so it's really important to get this information out there. So thank you so much for being here and sharing with everyone. You're welcome. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And again, uh, please feel free to reach out even if you have questions. Uh, I think Amy would agree with me here after walking this out and going through it. It, it definitely 
alters the course of your life, but if you can turn it into a good thing and help others, it gives meaning to it and purpose to all that pain and hardship you go through. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you Eric. Me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just a reminder, you can find all the previous episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes or Spotify. And you can also find them directly at facesoftbi.com. With over 250 episodes, there's sure to be something for everyone. And you can also support the podcast through buymeacoffee.com slash Z. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer and join me in Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.